just get it all out of sync. Michael McCartney wrote a message entitled The Joy of Christmas because a lot of times at this time of the year we're looking for that Christmas feeling, that Christmas touch, that Christmas spirit. And he wrote this in a message entitled The Joy of Christmas. He said the paradox of our time in history is that we've built taller buildings but we have shorter tempers. We've built wider freeways but narrow viewpoints. We buy more but enjoy less. We have bigger houses and smaller families, more conveniences, but less time. We've multiplied our possessions but reduced our values. We have more degrees but less sense. Boy, amen to that. More knowledge but less judgment. More experts yet more problems. More medicine but less wellness. We've conquered outer space but not inner peace. And we've done larger things but not better things. We've cleaned up the air but polluted our soul. We've conquered the atom but not our own personal prejudices. We write more but learn less. We plan more but accomplish less. And we got more of nearly everything but joy. Because somehow we bought into the world's viewpoint that if I get more, have more, if I am more, then my life will be better. It will be joyful. Today, I want to talk to you Because if we're not careful, we're going to miss this whole point of Christmas. And you're going to miss out on the good news of Christmas. And you may look around and you say, well, what in the world? Pastor, look around. What is good news? Christmas is all about good news. I'm not talking about nice news that says let go and let God. I'm not talking about cheap news that says do what you want because it doesn't really matter. And I'm not talking about it being tied up and making life in this neat little package, in this nice little bow, because we all know life gets messy. But don't you still need good news in a messy world? And so I just kind of want to rediscover what Christmas is all about. Man, it is about the good news. It is about the good news. And the good news is Jesus Christ. It's not a philosophy. It's not an ideology. It's not a political viewpoint. The good news is about a person, God himself coming to earth in the form of baby Jesus, not only to prepare the way of salvation, to pay the way of salvation, but to show us what God is like. To give us the good news that the creator of this universe loves you and I enough that he wants you and I to spend eternity with him in heaven. And that even in our messed up, hectic, out of control, loss of perspective lifestyles, there's still good news to be found. Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 2. And I want you to look at verse 10 with me, please. Luke chapter 2 in verse 10. Now, you understand Luke chapter 2. It's a story of of Mary and Joseph, and they're on their way back to the town of their heritage so that they can uh, take the census so that they could pay their tribute or their tax to Rome. And it was there that Mary, you know, started having labor pains, and they asked for a room of the innkeeper, and he didn't have any room, so they went to the barn out back or, or around the side of the house. Sometimes they were actually additions right attached to the house. Go figure that. Gives new meaning to the words when we looked at our children and said, your room's a pigsty. Well, in that day, 
a room could have been a pigsty. I mean, it was just kind of part of their, their home. And so barn may not have been a detached barn that you would think of, you know, with the, the red, you know, barn with the white trim that doors roll out. But it was a place that was not clean. It was a place where barn animals were kept, housed, fed. And then you get to verse 8, and you kind of have this little scene shift, and we shift to the shepherds, and then the angels make this appearance to the shepherds, and look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, But the angel said to them, Be not afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I bring you good news of great joy which shall be to all people. This translates from the Greek verb alusanaios or lusanaio, which means to preach the good news. It's where we get our word evangelism. And it, the angels were literally saying, I preach good news to you. And what was the good news? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Isn't that good news? That God himself came, sinless, righteous, pure, holy, Son of God, left sinless, pure, righteous, holy, heaven, to come to a sinful, wicked, evil, messed up world so that he by his power and his strength and his wisdom and his glory might clean up the messes and the sins of this world. That's good news. You're not going to find that on your Christmas tree. You're not going to even find that in a present under your Christmas tree as exciting as it is. And they can be exciting. But that isn't it. Matter of fact, would you just kind of, would you just kind of follow along with me? Now, by the way, don't romance the occupation of the shepherds. In general, the shepherds were dishonest. They were sinful. They were cheats and unclean according to the standards of the law. They represent the outcasts and the sinners for whom Jesus came. Such outcasts were the recipients of the good news. The shepherding had changed from the time of family business when David was a shepherd in the Old Testament to a despised occupation. Many shepherds were accused of robbery, fraud, using land that they had no rights to. Shepherding was also a lonely occupation. Can we just stop right there? The shepherds were messed up people. They were looked on as the sinners of the day. And the reason that they were shepherds because their life was so messed up, they couldn't do anything better than to be a shepherd. And on the economical scale, one step above a slave in that period of time was the shepherd. And yet, God sends a heavenly messenger to tell them the good news. These are not spiritual people, I want you to understand. They're not sitting around the campfire singing we three kings of Orient are. They're not singing the doxology. They're not, they're not singing amazing grace. I don't know what they were singing. I'm tempted to say, Baba Black Sheep, have you any wool? But that wasn't it either. 
I want you to understand these were not innocent, naive people. To understand the culture of the shepherds, to buy into the culture of it. I mean, it was kind of like the least common denominator. It was the lowest level of acceptance where dishonesty was the rule and sin was the game. And yet those are the very people God sent the angel to, to tell them about his son. Matter of fact, just pick up your Bibles. I quoted it just a little bit, but I want to start back with verse 10 again. Let's back up to verse 9. Well, let's just back up to verse 8. Might as well just start there. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping flock over their watch by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. If you were an ungodly human, seeing a godly angelic being, you'd be terrified too. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. If you like underlining in your Bible, circle that word all, because that's where you and I live. We live in the all. Jesus didn't come just for the Jews, and he didn't come just for the shepherds. He came for the all. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, all of us. Peter would write it this way, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Circle the word. It's a beautiful word. It's a good word. Rediscover the word because Christmas is about Christ coming so that all may come to him today in the town of David. A Savior has been born for you. He is Christ the Lord. And they knew exactly, the heathens did, what he meant. And this will be a sign to you. Find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a great company, the heavenly host, appearing with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And then when the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let's get out of here. Let's go to Bethlehem. And let's see the things that the shepherds talked about or the angels talked about. And so the shepherds left their livelihood. Didn't really matter. They were dishonest anyway. And these shepherds, who everyone in town knew who they were, everyone in town knew their character, everyone in town knew what shepherds were like. They were stereotyped. They were pegged. They were pigeonholed. Everybody knew how messed up the shepherds were. And the angel came to them to tell them about God's son coming to earth for them, all men. And for a moment, maybe a shepherd thought, if he came for me, maybe tonight's the night I can turn my life around. Maybe tonight's the night I get a fresh start. See, because the good news of Christmas is that Jesus Christ comes or God meets you where you are. The shepherds were just out in the hill country. It wasn't classical, it wasn't pretty. They were just out in the, in the hill country outside the city at night and God met them where they were at. 
Listen, there are a lot of people I talk to and I say, you know, don't you want to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ? And, and they're interested and God's been speaking to their heart and they will say something to like this. Well, when I get my life straightened out, then I'll come to God. And I said, no, you don't understand. God meets you where you are so that he can help you get it straightened out. He meets us where we're at. Because sometimes we think we've got to be perfect, don't we? Sometimes we've got to think we've got to have it all together. But the good news of the gospel is that he meets us where we're at. And it's good news because where you're at is the only starting place you have. Where you're at is the only starting place you have. And some of you have messed up. And you know, the good news of Christmas, the joy of Christmas is Jesus has no problem walking straight up into your messed up world and your messed up life. Matter of fact, that's the reason he came. And if we're not careful, we'll get so busy with the tree and the tinsel and the stars. We'll get busy with the lights and the inside decorations and the outside decorations and not one tree, but two trees and, and the kids' projects and this thing and that thing and everything that we will simply miss the joy of Christmas. Typical of a last-minute shopper, a mother was running furiously from store to store. Suddenly she was aware that the little grip of her three-year-old son was not wrapped around her finger or clutching her skirt anymore. And in a panic, she retraced her steps and found him gazing through the, the store window, his nose just pressed right up against the window, looking at the nativity scene through the picture window. You know, he's fogging up the window, his nose is there, his hands are on it, and the mom is just in a dither, and she's panicking, and she's just beside herself, and she finally just grabs the little boy and says, come on, we don't have time for that. And I wonder how many of you are going to run through this Christmas season, and the stuff of life, the stuff that doesn't matter, is going to pull you away from Jesus saying, come on, we don't have time for that. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I think we ought to have time for that. We all should have time for joy. And the Christmas story in the life of Christ is a time of joy. The joy of God came to focus in human history in Jesus Christ. A note of joy and exaltation run through the, through the entire biblical account of Christ's coming. The most familiar passage of the angels' announcement is the one I just read. Good tidings of great joy be to all people. Jesus spoke of his own ministry and his own joy and that he was full of joy that he had come to bring others. Jesus illustrated the kingdom of heaven by telling of the joy of a man who found a treasure. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, one of my heroes, was in a tree when Jesus called him, but he quickly climbed down and received Jesus joyfully. He had found life's ultimate treasure, not under a tree. Well, I guess he did as Jesus passed by, for it was Jesus that was the source of ultimate joy. As Jesus' death approached, 
He told his followers that soon he would be like a woman in labor whose sorrow would be turned into joy. Later they understood when the dark sorrow of the cross gave way to the joy of the resurrection viewed from this perspective. Eventually they came to see that the cross itself was necessary for the joy to become real. Hebrews 12, 2. Because of his victory and the promise of his abiding presence, the disciples could even rejoice. They could even rejoice after the Lord's ascension. (coughs) The book of Acts tells us how joy continued to characterize those that followed Jesus. After Philip in Samaria and the people believed, the Bible says there was great joy in the city. After Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch of Poseidon, the disciples, the Bible says, were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Paul and Barnabas reported such conversions to other believers that they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And after their conversion, the Philippian jailer rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. See, the Christian life is a life of joy. But sometimes we're like the mom when really we should just be pressed up gazing at Jesus with our little nose on the window and our little palms on the windshield and we just go, I don't really have time for that. Little too busy. Folks are coming over, trees not up, presents aren't bought, gotta run to the store, gotta get to the mall, gotta get online, gotta order it now, you know? Joy, joy. And the greatest thing I can tell you about this joy is that when a person walks with the Lord, a person can continue to rejoice even when there's trouble in his life. Jesus spoke that we could rejoice even when we're persecuted or martyred for the faith. Paul wrote of rejoicing and suffering because of the final fruit that would be the result, a life faithfulness. Both Peter and James also echo the Lord's teaching about rejoicing in times of trouble. Listen, if you want to rediscover Christmas joy, you have to discover Jesus Christ. Because the joy in the Christian life is in direct proportion as you walk with the Lord. So this Christmas season, let's slow down. Let's put attention back on what truly is important. Let's remember the time when Jesus met us where we were at, lost in our sins, helpless and hopeless, messed up, sinned up. And he walked into our sinfulness. He walked into our mess. He walked into our our crazy lifestyle, our, our messed up lifestyle. And he gave grace, and he gave mercy, and he gave love, and he gave forgiveness. And that is the Christmas story. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes for just a minute? Because I want to tell you how you can do that. I want to tell you how you can give your heart and your life to Jesus and know that joy. Because right here today, he wants to meet you exactly where you are. You don't have to do anything. He's coming. He wants to have this personal relationship with you. He died on the cross so that he could deal with the sin issues in your heart and in your life. 
And just like the shepherds who certainly must have thought that they would get a new start that night. Man, if you need a new start, it starts right here with Jesus meeting you where you are. And so right where you're at, why don't you pray this very simple prayer? It's an honest prayer. We're going to acknowledge that we're sinners and we've sinned. And we're going to invite Christ into our heart. And so here's the prayer, dear Jesus. I am a sinner. And I'm thankful that you are meeting me where I am. Right here. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I want to know the joy of living for you. Now with our heads bowed and eyes closed, listen, if you prayed that prayer this morning, man, why not right now take a hold of Jesus? He he came so that he can walk into your world. He meets you where you are, no matter who you are. And this morning, if you prayed that prayer and gave Christ your heart, would you take a first step of, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm walking with Jesus. I'm going with Jesus. I don't understand it all, but, but I'm going for it. And I prayed the prayer and I asked Christ in my heart, would you just trust me enough? I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise you. Would, you. would you just raise your hand? Anyone here this morning pray that prayer? God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. He wants to meet you right here where you are, no matter who you are. Anyone else? Father, in the mighty name of your son, who humbled himself and became to us in the form of a little baby.